Hi there, I'm Jack Morafi, and after many years of traveling to over 100 countries, I'm passing along my experiences to you. Stay connected at urbanmusicreport.com for the hottest music and feature videos, fashion reports, sports stories, entertainment news, and technology updates at urbanmusicreport.com. Stay connected. Do you listen to the TV on high volume or have trouble hearing conversations? Then you would benefit from hearing aids. Don't waste thousands on expensive hearing aids when you can get Nano's revolutionary technology just $347. Don't be fooled by higher priced hearing aids. The CIC Recharge is a true hearing aid, not an amplifier. With rechargeable technology, many customers say is superior to more expensive models. Call now and get not one, but two nano hearing aids for just $347. Plus, we'll add a portable charging dock and ship your order absolutely free. The CIC Recharge has a tiny in-the-ear canal design that is nearly invisible. Why keep missing out on important conversations or waste thousands of dollars? Call and get two CIC Recharge hearing aids for only $347 and free shipping. Call now. 800-896-9704. Again, that's 800-896-9704. Stay connected at urbanmusicreport.com for the hottest music and feature videos, fashion reports, sports stories, entertainment news, and technology updates at urbanmusicreport.com. Stay connected. Hi, I'm Jack Marafi, the affluent traveler, bringing you the seventh and final episode of my seven fine French wines and regions. And it is the most complex but don't worry, we'll figure it out. And look for the series on this and other channels of the H2O streaming network. Burgundy. Well, geologists believe the limestone shelf, now called the Côte d'Or, was formed over 150 million years ago during what is called the Jurassic period. You know those words. The fabled vineyards of Burgundy that we are visiting today are the only ones that can compete in quality with the wines of Bordeaux, the other really good part of France. Of course, there's a wee bit of competition between these two blockbuster regions. The Côte d'Or wines of Burgundy are the most expensive in the world, but you really can't judge by that. The Greeks or the Romans planted the first vineyards in Burgundy. The re region on the upper half of the River Rhone from Lyon to Dijon is just straight down from Paris, about 180 miles on the Autoroute de la Sud. And by the way, it was the advent of Christianity and the success of the church that made Burgundy rise above all other wines in France. The Benedictine Order of Cluny at the time controlled 1,400 monasteries in Europe and was the dominant order in Burgundy and were as powerful as any government. Another church order, the Cistercians, we could never get that right, came along about 1098 and had this dedication to a Spartan lifestyle and physically demanding hard labor. It took dedication and back-pricking labor to plant the vines in this rocky, infertile soil, but perseverance they had. Long before other vintners thought of it, the monks themselves lab labeled their wine in concert with the terroir, or quality of the land, as it's called. For example, their vineyard at Claude Rougeau, the lowland, which did not get much sun, was called Cuvée des Moines, slopes of the monks. The next best area of the vineyard, 
the middle area was called Cuvée des Rois, Slopes of the King. And the best sun-kissed top grapes became Cuvée des Papes, Slopes of the Popes. <laughs> Sounds like good marketing to me. As the religious orders controlled most of the wine that was shipped to the government of France in the 17th century, the other famous wine town, Bordeaux, was at the time controlled by the British, and most of their claret, as it was called, went to England. One of the key differences between Burgundy and Bordeaux is that Burgundy should be served cooler than Bordeaux as a wine, and a good Montrachet should be served slightly warmer. It doesn't make sense to spend the extra money for a wine that goes into hibernation when it's too cold. The other thing is that Burgundians do not lie down, unlike Bordeaux. In other words, they don't age well. Um, and the rule is that most should be consumed under seven years after the vintage for whites and up to 10 years for reds. Now, about the hundreds of growers in Burgundy. It all started at the French Revolution under what is called the Napoleonic Code. Up until that time, only the eldest son inherited the family land when the parents died. After 1887, the new rule said that land had to be distributed equally among all sons. The nutty system is why a great vineyard like Clos has 124 acres and 77 owners. The result is that in Burgundy, you have to know the growers. The next question is, why are Burgundy wines so expensive? Well, it's completely in the rules of supply and demand. The wines had the enviable position of having more admirers than available wine. To be frank, French Burgundies have no competitors, not in France or in the world at large. The whole deal is exacerbated by the fact that only small amounts of the Grand Cru vineyard are available. For example, the most expensive red burgundies are from Domaine de la Romanie Conti. And in a good year, they produce 300 to 350 cases. A great wine I had, Bonnemar Cuvée Vieville, a giant wine, only made 100 cases in 1988. When you consider that these wines are distributed around the world, a wine seller in Miami considers it lucky to get a case or two. Hear the expression, c'est l'homme qui fait la différence. It is the man that makes the difference, which makes it even more difficult to know the good from the magnificent. Because with Burgundy, it can be that. It is simply the greatest wine made from the Pinot Noir grape. But it is really difficult to describe the quality of a great Burgundy red. But here goes. All the great ones share the following characteristics. One, they have seriously dark, compelling aromas. A decadent, even raunchy smell, kind of like rotten beef combined with spices and dried herbs. I'm, I'm trying, so stay with me here. And they have black fruits kind of explode on the palate. They're very high in alcohol and a long, silky finish. That's it. And those traits would be from a large number of wines from many vineyards. And then there is white burgundy. Here are the names that really mean a lot. Think of a trinity of wines from the Montrachet area. Hit your head. That is Le Montrachet. Left shoulder is Pouligny Montrachet. And your right shoulder is Chassin Montrachet. Three of the most luscious white wines in the world. I'll try to describe their taste. Here goes. The greatest have a perfume of apples, honey, vanilla, 
wet stones. Yes, wet stones. And sometimes lemon as well as a smoky, buttery, and nutty orange taste. Some taste of tropical fruits like bananas and pineapple. This is how the wine guys talk. But it really is, in this case, discernible if you get a great Montrachet. They are really expensive, I might add, but unlike Bordeaux wines that can be cellared for decades, Burgundians are made to, the, uh, the, um, the Montrachets are made to be drunk. In most of the countries of the world, it is best to stay with the larger négociant, which is the French word for wine broker. They rely totally on purchases of finished wines from the actual growers. They often own their own vineyards, but the firms such as Favely and Bouchard Perifis are among the biggest and most trustworthy rather than a single vineyard that you might hit or miss. There are other uh, big firms called uh, Negociant, although called Louis Latour, Joseph Dewin, Leroy, and Louis Chardon. If you want to take the time, given the fragmented nature of Burgundy's vineyards, um, the estate bottled wines can reward with what is unquestionably the world's most splendid red and white wines. But back to the River Cruise. Uh, we reach Beaujolais, perhaps one of the most known of the wines, because each Tuesday, third Tuesday in November, a marketing juggernaut makes us all aware of the new wine of the year. A new liquid is only available after pressing and bottling and air shipping to most countries of the world as Beaujolais Nouveau. It's a fun and bubblegum sort of wine, but not very expensive, and everyone can participate. But it must be drunk within three or four months of its release. There are many serious wines in, in Beaujolais as well, and in fact, the most successful and lucrative wine produced in Burgundy is Beaujolais. The area is marketed by beautiful, um, it is uh, marked by beautiful mountainsides that mark the beginning of what is called the Massif Central mountain chain. The wine has a unique fermentation style. They dump the grapes unceremoniously in a vat rather than pressing them. And a process called malolactic fermentation occurs as the grapes at the bottom of the pile burst because of the weight on top of them. The unbroken grapes start to ferment with all their juices intact, resulting in fruity, intensely perfumed wines. You may have seen the wines in your wine shop as Moulin Avant, Morgan, or Brie, my favorite. The next area looks very pastoral as we graze by. Farms, and, uh, famous Chalaret beef. It is, it is Macon, and the and the people from Macon produce a vast amount of much-loved wine of the region, including the famous Puy Fuisse, which Americans christened Pussy Fussy <laughs> back in the 50s. But the wine is overproduced and no longer of substance. However, we're going to the historic towns of Tournas on the Rhone. The restaurant Gruz harbors the finest pike, pike cunels in the world. Canels are a kind of sausage-shaped pastry made of dough, uh, cream, and egg yolks with pikefish in a blender, accompanied by an outrageous crawfish sauce, the natua. This dish originated in Lyon a short drive away, also nearby to the extraordinary Abbey of Cluny, erected in 910 A.D. But we are here at the very reason Burgundy exists, the villages in Appalachion of the Côte de Nuit. 
Their names are legendary, and there's so many wines that the Grand Cru and Premier Grand Cru category, which is the finest and the second finest wines to contend with. I will take you through a few of the villages that we will see. Uh, Pomad, a sleepy little town that takes its name from the Roman temple, get it dedicated to the goddess Pomona, a goddess of fruits and gardens. Pomard wines are not the place to go if you like refined taste. They are full-bodied, chunky, muscular, and hard to like. We don't have time today, but I suggest you visit the Chateau de Pomard itself with terrific underground cellars. Uh, top Pomards, however, command quite high prices, as there are a lot of fans of this type of, of forceful wine. Next one is Volnay, which is one wine in particular stands out uh, by a chap known as D'Angerville, but people wonder why he filters his wine, robbing it of a good deal of its character. A Grand Cru vineyard, Claude de Chênes, is the exception. Forget Volnay. Oxydores, not really a reason, reason to visit this old wine-producing region. There are no Grand Crus here, but it is the headquarters of Madame Laloubis Leroy a dynamic, formidable Asian woman leading the reputation for a profound quality for Burgundians around the globe. Here there are several premier vineyards. Uh, Le Cham is also a premier wine. Another name is Gevray-Chambertin. This prestigious village known as the Wine of Kings is one of the largest in the Côte d'Or. It sits in the middle of the most Grand Cru vineyards in Burgundy. This was Napoleon's favorite wine. He was said to have it chilled and watered so as not to upset his sensitive digestive system. Many claim his defeat at the Battle of Waterloo was due to the fact that he did not have Chambertin at his dinner the night before. Like several great vineyards, it was the monks who originally planted the grapes of Chambertin in 630. It remained under church ownership until the French Revolution when it was broken up and given to the peasants. Charme Chambertin and Chambertin Claude de Bez are two of the top names as well. The, vid the village of Vougeot, the famous walled city of Vougeot with its imposing chateau, has 77 growers with three different soil types, which experts claim can rashly affect the ultimate quality of the wine. This is typical of Burgundy and parts of the problem of ensuring a decent, even elevated bottle of wine. In 1934, a group of growers bought the Chateau of Claude de Vougeot and intent on promoting Burgundy wine, created the Confrérie des Chevaliers du Tessevin. This is clearly the most famous wine order in the world. Their wine dinners, often with 500 or more guests, have gastronomic food and massive drinking, are famous the world over. Next town we come to is Vosny Romanet. Vosny Romanet is the heart and center of the Cote de Nuit and offers the most prized and expensive wines. DRC, as it is called in the wine trade, um, which I guess people do indeed know it is, a Domaine de Romanie Conti. It's a tiny 4.32 acre vineyard. And Actually, I think there's something like 77 people involved in this, too. And the only pick, the fully mature grapes. And again, it's a question of supply and demand. A recent sale of a case of 2010 DRC went for $40,000.
Latas and Richbourg are the other two wines to know. Chasson Montrachet, Montrachet, and Pouligny Montrachet. Together, these three wines produce some of the most exotic and revered white wines in France. Hedonistic, pure, sumptuous richness, they're hard to beat. Le Montrachet actually bows to the other two, so Pouligny Montrachet has three wines that are secondary, and they come awfully close to Grand Cru. Kind of the holy, what to call it, the holy grail of, of uh, winedom. Pouligny has Batard Montrachet, a wine that I believe outclasses the whole lot. Chasson Montrachet is probably one of the underrated wines of Burgundy's Cote d'Or. Locals say the wine probably suffers from the town not having a bar, so the wine guys can argue over the process of making the wine. We next come to the city of Bonn, and it's the capital and heart of Burgundy, a small medieval town that people of Paris visit often. Only 192 miles south, it is a pass to another time. Filled with historical buildings and excellent restaurants, it is about number one on the adventurous tourist hit parade. And simply put, the wines are special, too. There are 28 principal Premier Cru first-class wines. They are softer than the wines of the Cote de Nuit, but carry an intense bouquet of berry fruit. Any wine with the word bone in front of it, as in bone Claude de Mouche, Bon Le Zepinot and Bon de Bressand, especially my wife's favorite wine, are wines of wonder and character. The biggest annual event in Bone, however, is more important than the, um, the harvest. It happens the third week in November, called Trois Glorieux, when France's most famous wine auction takes place. Journalists and tourists descend on the town, and on Sunday's Hospice de Bone auction, over 300,000 cases of wine change hands. Oh, and by the way, established the price of Burgundy for the coming year. It all began in the year 1443. A nobleman by the name of Nicholas Roland passed away and decreed that all his worldly possessions be sold and used to build a hospital to provide for the poor. A hospital was built a couple of years later, and over the years, a number of landowners donated their vineyards to the hospital. Collectively, these lands become known as the Hospice de Bonne wines, all part of the auction and a wild weekend of drinking. Up comes now Nuit Saint-Georges, and it is perhaps, as we enter Bonne, uh, the ugliest village in the entire valley, Corgolon. We get out of it quickly to enter Nuit Saint-Georges. There are no Grand Cru vineyards in Nuit Saint-Georges. However, there are no less than 40 Premier Cru vineyards. That's the number two group. This wine has worldwide renown, probably because you can get a good bottle of, of Burgundy at a reasonable price here. But there are two special vineyards that, in fact, rival Grand Cru villages from the part of the world, Les Vaucrins and Les Saint-Georges. Easy to remember, too. And they will arrive uh, after our voyage at the absolute culinary capital of France, the town of Lyon. Clearly, one of the reasons it rains is that it's especially gifted in where it is located. Primary food supplies are next door. Potatoes from the fields of Dauphin, chickens from the farms of Brest, local charlatan beef, and fish from very local rivers. This was a town practicing farm-to-table from centuries ago. Today, there are over 168 restaurants in Lyon. 
Of course, there are the wines of the Cote Roti and especially Chateau Griette, where certain restaurants hoard the spectacular white wine. Then there are the cheese trays, Tome, Moteur, Blue de Bresse, Saint-Marcellin, all at their door. In the past, Lyon was the site of a grand fair and always had inns and hotels to house their guests. Some years ago, the chefs banded together into a guild to protect their trade. The art of cooking was preserved. A man who aspired to be a rotisseur, a specialized chef, for example, had to work four or five years take a tough exam to go on to the next level <coughs> to become a compagnon, which he would toil at for another four years. If he wished to get out on his own, he had to invent a dish of substance. They really have chefs of substance as a result. This was a time when Lyon had many poor people. Uh, in fact, back in the 30s, potatoes were called the truffles of the poor. And Stendhal claimed that he discovered 20 different ways of cooking potatoes. The meat of choice was pigs, as they offer the best of meat for the money it takes to feed them. So chefs learned many ways to cook the pig. A classic menu at a few classic restaurants would be begin with a bit of tripe, pig's stomach. Next, um, follow up with cochinaya lionese, pig's head and eggs and some herbs. And next, a sausage, for which Leonese chefs have been well known. A nice piece of pork from the leg of a pig. It's marinated in mark, M-A-R-C. The pumice left over after wine fermentation is finished. And they're grilled, but it is not all pig. There is boudin, blood sausage. Okay, enough of that. Many restaurants have quite various menus, especially one called, fondly, Chateau Bocuse. As Lyon-born chef Daniel Bocuse has a restaurant there, as well as New York, by the way. He has a wonderful sea bass dish stuffed with lobster. He, rest, he wraps it in a pastry shell, fires it in the oven, and covers it with a sauce he would not reveal. Next to the plate was a mouth-watering simple dish native to Lyon, Lyonnaise potatoes, we call them. Cut up potatoes, cooked in salt water, mashed with butter and onions. They call them galette Lyonnaise. I call them gone. Another famous dish here in Lyon, I have a very active imagination, you see, is cannelle. A kind of dumplings that I mentioned in Restaurant Gruz in Beaujolais. It can accommodate any type of filling. Check New York restaurant La Grande for a credible and delicious version. Do we want dessert? How about Gulf Grand Mer Bocuse? Fluffy pale golden waffles sprinkled with sugar, covered with grandmother Bocuse's homemade jam. Well, now I am full. ¿Usted debe 10 mil dólares o más al IRS? ¿Está preocupado por los gravámenes de banco o embargos de salario? Cada día el IRS es más y más agresivo en la recolección de impuestos atrasados. Community Tax Relief es un miembro acreditado del Better Business Bureau, con más de 50 años de experiencia combinada en el trato con el IRS. Nuestros expertos le ayudarán a resolver sus problemas de impuestos y si usted califica, podrá resolver sus problemas de impuestos atrasados por menos de lo que debe. Entendemos que tratar 
trabajar con el IRS puede ser un proceso largo, lento y estresante. Nuestra meta es el de mediar entre usted y el IRS para obtener los mejores resultados conforme a las normas del IRS. Nosotros tal vez podamos negociar su deuda tributaria por menos de lo que debe. Liberación de gravámenes, embargos, ayuda con asuntos de inmigración relacionadas con los impuestos y arreglar su problema de impuestos una vez por todas. Llame al número que aparece en la pantalla para una consulta gratis y confidencial de 5 minutos. Are you being audited and do you owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes? Is the IRS threatening to take more of your money? Don't fight the IRS alone. The tax doctor is here to help you negotiate your tax bill and reduce your stress. The IRS can freeze your assets and seize your bank accounts, but you can stop these IRS actions. The tax doctor will work with you using our years of experience to represent your case to help you get the best resolution under the IRS guidelines. Help is here to deal with the IRS to reduce your stress. We've handled thousands of cases, so we know what we're doing. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, do not call the IRS alone. Call a tax doctor now for a tax emergency analysis. Call 800-586-7140. Stay connected at urbanmusicreport.com for the hottest music and feature videos, fashion reports, sports stories, entertainment news, and technology updates at urbanmusicreport.com. Stay connected. Thank you for joining me. This has been Jack Morafi, the Affluent Traveler. Look for the others on the several stations of the H2O streaming network. Streaming network. <laughs>